Welcome to Tigers SRD on the Tiger Minor League Report Network and the Overtime Media Network. I'm Roger Steele alongside me, Chris Brown, and you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia, Stitchler, and Google Play. Follow us on Twitter at Tigers MLB Report and our new Facebook page, and you can also follow the show. Please follow us on Twitter at Tigers SRD. We have about 295 followers, and we're gaining some traction on there, so I'm pretty happy about that. And tonight, our guest... We recorded a little earlier, so he's on the second half of the show. Is Cody Staverhagen from the Athletic Detroit, and that completes our. We're gonna be. This is gonna be our last show until December, and we're, we're getting the. We have we're getting a roundtable together. We're still getting some guests for that, but uh, Thanksgiving, Chris is hitting the road to Virginia, and I'm just gonna be zoned out. I'm gonna take a couple days off. I'm actually gonna take a powder and try not to. I'm gonna be playing some uh, baseball on PS4. The the baseball game I play the uh, the show oh not the show um RBI uh no no and I'm drawing... oh I remember you telling me about the, yeah the other yeah that is, yeah so doing a little bit of that the new Star Wars game came out and I have not even I've not gotten it yet and I don't know why I haven't gotten it yet but I I, I actually know why because I haven't had really the time to play it uh mm-hmm. a Super Mega Baseball too that's the game I've been playing so yeah, go, yeah. gonna play a little bit of that and. I also just finished watching Letter Kenny. So anybody out there who's a Letter Kenny fan, let me know because that's a pretty good show. And Chris, you're what season seven of The Office? Yeah, powering through. Just uh, Steve Carell just left, so down to the coming down to the wire here. But uh, enjoying it. Good times. So yeah. So we continue on. There, the Tigers making some noise today. They or the last couple of days or so they. Announced their forty-man roster, so we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll also talk a little bit about the Rule Five, and if you have a chance, check out Chris's article on our page that goes over the, some of the guys on um, that were left that Chris potentially thinks that Tigers could potentially pick. The roster's at thirty-nine, but of course, that anybody could that could change at any given time. Baseball shooting itself in the foot in PR again, and as you described it. With the the high low driver crashing the entire wall, that has been the baseball season so far, Chris. Off season. Yeah, I mean we've had a couple sort of nice things, if you want to call it that. You know, uh, who was it? Uh, Will Smith signed last week, I think it was, and then and now we got Yasmani Grandal today. I mean that's kind of what we want to see. We want to see action, people signing, making trades, and stuff like that. But yeah, it seems like most of the off season has been dominated by the Houston Astros scandal. Uh, this new minor league contraction scandal, and then recently the uh, you know uh, future contract uh, negotiation scandal. Rob Manfred saying there's not going to be economic concessions or something like that. You know, it, it's just nothing but like bad stuff instead of the fun signing that you see in other sports in the free agency period. But but we did see some some movement. You know the the putting guys on the 40 man roster necessitates a lot of movement. And we saw a couple of like kind of, uh, I don't know how you describe them, but, but big cuts, I guess is a good way to start. The, you know, the Marlins cut way in Chen, I think an eight twenty one million million, which sounds I, like just blew my mind by the way. Yeah. And, uh, in the, in the Yankees finally cut bait with Jacoby Ellsbury, which I think cost them $22 million. Right. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. And then, uh, Greg bird, the bird man. Yeah. They let Greg bird go. Uh, one of Mark's favorites. So, yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of things we, we mentioned earlier. The A's uh, got rid of Jarrell Cotton, who uh, saw some time in the majors a, co- uh, 
three years ago, I think, and then again two years ago before getting hurt. So there's some interesting names out there, and then a lot of prospects got protected and some who didn't. So it's kind of a good, I don't know, it feels like it's it's a good time to get back into the swing of following these baseball teams to see what's going on. And I and I hope that Cotton gets a, uh, I hope that, look, if you're a Tigers fan out there, Cotton, by the way, who came off Tommy John surgery, didn't pitch too well last year in AAA Nashville last year for Oakland, which is why they let him go. And they let him go because they who was the uh, gentleman that they kept over him, Chris? I forgot. They uh, they added Dalton Dalton Jeffries, I believe his name. So who, uh, who if you ask him, he says pain don't hurt, which is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and and you know what, in, in Cotton, he was that he was you know he was a four for fifth starter, was not too bad in twenty seventeen, but he's coming off Tommy John surgery. Look, if I if I'm the Tiger, if I'm at Mal Avila. I invite him to camp. I mean, is he going, like, just to see if you can put him in the fifth spot? The Tigers are going to just throw things in the wall and see if it sticks. Why not Cotton? And we'll get to the Rule 5 guys here in a little bit, but I don't know. That, that, that's not a bad idea. I mean, it's a better idea than putting James McCann as a DH. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I think, I think Cotton will probably get an offer. I don't know if he'll get signed, but I think he will get a, a solid offer uh, somewhere. And if not, then, yeah, I would love to see the Tigers bring them in, give them an invite to spring training, bring them in, and, and see if they could uh, use them. Because he does, he, he has one of the better change-ups in baseball. Uh, it's not always a great when you're a right-handed pitcher and your best pitcher is a change-up, uh, especially if you don't have, like, plus-plus command like Kyle Hendricks does. But, um, you know, it's it's a, it's a 70-grade pitch. Uh, some people might even call it an, an elite 80 grade pitch, although I don't know if uh, anybody ever puts 80s on secondary pitches for whatever reason. But yeah, I mean, it, it could be an interesting weapon, and he's a uh, he's a guy with some local ties, so it would be kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, was he he was drive, he bought a car in this area, and I think he does he live in this area? <laughs> I don't know if he like something like that. I, yeah, my buddy sold him a car. My buddy who works out here at Brighton. Um, I remember him sending me a picture. I'm like, what the hell is Jarrell Cotton doing out here? But, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's uh, what the connection is. But, yeah, he, he, he spent some time in Michigan. And maybe he – so because he was a Dodgers prospect originally. I think – I want to say he got traded to the A's along with Grant Holmes maybe. I think he was part of – yeah, he was Yeah, he was in the Dodgers system. I'm trying to think. Who would, it, would that have been for um, – who's their lefty who's always got blisters from Michigan? Oh, Rich Hill. Rich Hill, yeah, Rich Hill, yeah. Would that have been? In, I, I don't know. No, he was part. Was, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He was part of the. Yeah, the trade was. He went. Yeah, for Rich Hill and Josh Reddick. Josh Reddick. Okay, I forgot about Reddick on the A's. Yeah, me too. It's uh, Verlander striking him out all the time. Oh yeah, in the postseason. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he totally. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, though, he he's worth his way up. And, I don't. know. It, it would be ideal, but like I said, his numbers in the PSL, which. Isn't not Petra's friendly, anyways? If there's a team out there, he yeah. might he might get another you know he might he might get another offer to actually be part of the, a rotation somewhere. But yeah, for sure. I mean, he's only... if, if he's not, I would love to see them bring him in for sure. Oh yeah, give him a chance. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you look at his numbers. The strikeouts were fine. The walks were a little bit high. The home runs were huge. That that's been an issue, but that's always been kind of an issue for him. But, you know, it's one of the interesting names. Just like you know, Greg Bird. We mentioned he. he He's he's never had much success in the majors, and he's always hurt. But 
he's always been a guy with sort of tantalizing power, a left-handed hitter that would be interesting. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, any other kind of big names who were cut. I can't think of any right now. Well, well, you talked about Chen earlier, which was that was somewhat of a. Yeah, you know, I didn't. I, you know, they signed him to a fairly large deal, and I think he worked mostly out of the bullpen last year and was not very good. So I don't, I don't know. I didn't pay attention to what his stuff was. You know, his Marlin hard to pay attention to them. Yeah, you 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 forget too. He was an Oriole, and he was a decent Oriole pitcher too. And then yeah. he, had a, he had a UCL injury. That's what I think did him uh, in. That's what. That's why we kind of he's kind of disappeared. Yeah, he's, he had four kind of averageish seasons with the Orioles. And the Marlins signed him, and he never did anything good for them. Yeah, and they they were the the prospects that they got uh, pretty much from the trades they they protected them. So that was another thing that was about that. And then in turn, uh, oh, of course, the White Sox signing uh, Grandel. Grandel, yeah. So that was, by the way, I did not know that was the team's biggest contract of all time. Yeah, I had no idea either. Um, and uh, I I I had pegged him as going to the Reds. But it makes sense for the White Sox. Like I, I like where the White Sox are in their rebuild right now. It makes sense for them to try to go for it. And the way t- timelines don't always work uh, work out perfectly. Where like, okay, we're ready to go for it. Let's go sign Mookie Betts. Like sometimes you have to sign guys a couple years early. Um, I think that may have been part of what the Padres were doing with Eric Hosmer and then Manny Machado. Uh, things just haven't worked out terribly well there yet. But but yeah, I mean, you know, they had James McCann was an all-star this year, but he was basically just had a really hot first half, and he was okay in the second half. And he's not a good defender. And, and Grandal, you know, I was looking at comparing to because remember back in the day, the Tigers signed Pudge Rodriguez. He was 32, and had just come off uh, his, his previous five seasons. He had put up like 24 WAR, and the Tigers signed him to four years, 40 million. I think there were some. There were some clauses and things like that in there, but he got he gave him like twelve, thirteen WAR in those four years, and a lot of people give him credit for helping turn the, the club around. So uh, you know, Grandal getting he's a year younger, and he put up twenty five WAR in the five previous seasons, and he's a strong defensive numbers. Um, seems like a solid investment to me for for the White Sox. He's probably you know catchers they age rapidly and things go downhill pretty quickly, but. I think they're going to at least get two solid seasons from him, and, and that should fit in well with their timeline of trying to compete again. So I thought it was a good move, and it's nice to just see somebody sign someone to a big contract. Yeah, and like, you know, for postseasons of the past, not to mention, you know the White Sox, so what they're going to do is, they're yeah, the White Sox, typical pattern seems like they have a player for a couple seasons, and they flip them for prospects that never work out. So, I mean, if we're being honest, mm-hmm. it, it seems like it goes right along the White Sox timeline, and, and I was... And, in our chat, or our, our, our little Twitter chat, which I rejoined after a month or two, kind of away from it, but uh, the Cuban, like the Cuban players in Chicago, there's a really rich tradition with that. In this case, uh, Grandel's uh, familiar with Rick Renteria when he when he was the bench coach of San Diego Health, but they sent a qualifying offer to Jose Abreu. This is Minimo, so this is I mean Ozzy Guillen, who was not I mean he was not Cuban, but he's Venezuelan. But they have a great hair, a great history with Hispanic players, so this doesn't surprise me at all that the White Sox would make a play to strengthen the core. But this is going to go over well in a in a in 
not only in the clubhouse too, but in the in a very pop in the Hispanic population in Chicago is one of the largest in the country. Yeah, and, and it, it beyond that, like yeah, I mean they've they've had what is it in recent years they had Dion Vicieto and Alexi Ramirez and all those guys. Um, but yeah, doing this early in the off season sends the signal to other free agents like, hey, we're ready to compete. We're we're you know if you weren't thinking about us before. Come give us a chance. They were talking about them, them kind of zeroing in. I think you mentioned it, that they're looking at Zach Wheeler. And that makes sense. They want a veteran starter to go in there to kind of help mentor those guys. And that's that's where their biggest needs are, I think, going forward. But they do have some young arms. So, And you saw – I mean, part of me thinks I, I, they might be in a little bit of trouble because, you know, they had like all-time career-high – uh, Babips from a couple of their players this year in Mancada and uh, Tim Anderson, but Mancada, you know, he he looks absolutely legit. I think he put up like a six-win season. Um, and they, Eloy Jimenez had a great second half. So they, they some of the younger pieces are starting to come together. They got Madrigal probably coming up. Andrew Vaughn will probably come up pretty quickly. So yeah, now's the time. Go for it. Go get a good player when you can. Don't wait until you need one. And they also mentioned they're also mentioned with Zach Wheeler too. Which would, yeah, that's what I was saying. I think you told me that that yeah, they need a veteran starter. Yeah, and if they get a couple of start, I mean the 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 young pitching talent they've had it's been just injured, injury ridden a little bit. So you can never have enough pitching. And in, in in this case too, I think the White Sox could get another bargain bin starter if they wanted to, and go from there. I mean, even if we look at some of the players who rejected, who really had a chance to talk about this last week, who rejected their one-year offers that we kind of expected in Wheeler, Osuna. Well, Osuna surprised me, actually, because I thought Osuna would come back because I originally said he was going to leave, and then he said, well, I want to stay with St. Louis, but I'm probably looking for more money. You probably could get more money elsewhere, but um, pitching-wise right now, this is a pitcher's market. The Yankees need starters. The I mean, Any team, really, if you look across the board, could get needs starter help. And for the White Sox to strike it, the other and tie, the Indians are not going to spend. They they traditionally don't spend that much, and they won't. The Twins, I think, I think the Twins are spending more, but they're spending wisely. But they have they have such a they have some good prospects on the way too. So you could see the Twins maybe perhaps adding a bullpen arm or two, and maybe some starter depth. I mean, I know Kyle Gibson, I think, is a free agent, but I don't think they're going to go and sign him. Yeah, they Odorizzi, I think, accepted his qualifying offer, so he's back, and they still have Barrios. Um, they have a couple of younger guys who came up. So yeah, it's going to be a very interesting time in the, the central, I think, with the the, well, the Twins won this year, obviously, and the Indians. Well, the Indians are going away. They're still a good team. They still have Lindor and, and Ramirez and Kluber and Clevenger and Bieber and all those guys. So that's going to be a good team. But to see the White Sox kind of say, "All right, let's 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 make a uh, take take a run at it," you know, I think Lucas Giolito stepping up for them this year was huge. Because he looked like a bust, and, and to, for him to figure things out and, and be a borderline Cy Young pitcher this year gives them hope. That like, hey, all right, this is going to work. Him and him and I mentioned Mokata. That's, I mean, they had monster seasons. So, yeah, it's it's cool to see. I mean, if the Tigers were any good, I might not like to see it, but uh, they're not. They're not any good at all. <laughs> you sound like very Morgan Freeman when you said that. That was kind of the way you feel. It was funny. <laughs> They were not John Doe has the upper hand. <laughs> I mean, the Twins are going to get another year out of it. I mean, they are still going to have Johan Duran 
probably didn't oh, know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they just added him to the 40 man, I think. The guy yeah. that from Arizona. Yeah. yeah so, um, you mentioned it. Like, like Kyle Gibson, they probably won't bring him up. There's a ton of like average starters on the market right now this year. Like, there are a ton of them. Like, you can get Tanner Roark probably for like one year and eight million, and he'll give you a, a two win season. Uh, so, teams who need like depth starters are, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to, I think people are going to get some bargains this year. It's like the top of the rotation starters, that's a little bit tougher. But, you know, those are always hard to come by. So, but yeah. Wheeler would, would definitely be a nice fit. You put him behind Gilito, have him your, your second starter, then you get Ronaldo Lopez, and Kopech will be coming back at some point. And I think Rodon is probably out for the whole year. But, like you said, get Wheeler and then one other small, you know, bargain starter and, and you're in business so. yeah i mean and even even i mean that's gonna the market's gonna really be based on if and when when garrett cole signs so that the, the starter market by then you look at the top tier starters after that so steven strasburg i mean you have gold strasburg rayu you have wheeler or rizzi Baumgartner, and then that's the market right there you have on that mm-hmm. top-tiered market, right there in the in the two-war category, Homer Bailey, Michael Padilla, Kyle Gibson, Cole Hamels, Adam Ryan Adam just re-signed with the Cardinals. But you're yeah, talking about Padilla's got a suspension still, but I don't know how much longer. And what about like, a guy like Ian Noah, even Nova or Brett Anderson too? But those guys kind of, eh, I don't know. Eh, 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 yeah, eh, that's why I just it seems like there are like two dozen guys kind of like that who you you can probably don't have to pay much and you're taking a little bit of a risk that it might not stay healthy or work out, but odds are you're going to get like a solid average season from them. And, and like, like it's, it feels sort of like uh, remember back when there was a little while where the Tigers were just trying to find a fourth or fifth starter. So it was like the Brad Penny, Randy Wolf era. seems like, you know, you don't really need that much. Especially with with the expanded bullpens. Now I don't, I don't. I think the White Sox bullpen wasn't all that good last year, so that may be something they, they need to address. But I'm not sure if it's a really bad relievers market. That's one of the things that I like. The Braves have already they signed uh, Will Smith and who was it? Chris Martin. So I don't. Know. It looks like the White Sox were okay in relief, but they like maybe we'll see them go target Drew Pomeranz as a as a kind of a, a bullpen ace. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, it's just exciting. This is just a fun thing about people, like a team like this, signing a player. It makes you start thinking about all the possibilities, and, and that's what makes the offseason fun, not thinking about somebody banging on a trash can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I would want to know where Martin Perez is going to end up. I mean, is he going to, like, a guy like that or even somebody like Jordan Lyles? There's so many, like, yeah. because there's the versatility of it all. So, but, yeah, instead we got this. BS and coming out at all times, and it just—it seems like it's baseball keeps shooting itself in the foot over and over again. And or what was the Houston Astros owner gets escorted out by the police because it's getting oh got at the hotel the owners yeah that yeah was, yeah great Chir- yeah chirping at me bro so yeah, oh, oh the but, Bra- uh, I forgot the Braves signed okay. Will Smith that was a good deal yeah yeah so here's one thing that I don't think it came into play here. But you you know the, how draft pick compensation works. It's kind of comp, uh, convoluted now. It involves how long a player signs for and how you are in terms of where you are in terms of the luxury tax and stuff like that, or, yeah. or 
uh, what do you say, uh, like uh, revenue sharing. So if you're a team that uh, gets money from Major League Baseball and you lose a player and he signs for more than $50 million, and you get like a, a pick in the competitive balance or the end of the first round, something like that. So like a top 30, 35 pick. Mm-hmm. But but I'm curious how the $50 million thing works because Smith's deal is three years, it's, it's a three years, $39 million with a $1 million buyout or a fourth year option at $13 million. So it's either four years and $52 million or three years and $40 million. And I'm just curious how that would work for compensation. Like, would that count as a $50 million deal or not? So uh, just one of those things. It probably doesn't, but then that seems like a good way to game the system. So I don't know. We need uh, some contract lawyer to tell me how that works. Yeah, we have to... We'll have, to, we'll have to find somebody out there to break down this contract stuff. But the Chris Martin, not the Coldplay singer, but the reliever from who spent some time in Texas. Also, the Braves strengthened the bullpen there by uh, ah, signing him, too. So that was a good deal. Is The Braves are not messing around, too. Um, he was he came back. He was part of a trade. Um I think was he was he in Texas before? I can't remember. Yeah, he was. He okay. was in Texas, and he I think that was the deal that got them. Um, who's their lefty starter prospect from the Braves who was throwing like eighty nine and then went to Texas and was suddenly throw, suddenly throwing eighty or like ninety three ninety four. Oh, um, drawing uh, a blank on his name. Who do Colby Allard? I think it is Kobe Allard. So for um, for you Cole fans, Coldplay fans out there that are, you're hearing this in the play play in the background, yes, I did that on purpose. Yeah, um, you know what's funny is uh, uh, my friend Neil to today. Like I've, I've not listened to any, any Coldplay really on purpose yeah. since maybe like it's a smart late decision. 90s, early 2000s. What yeah, was, did you do this song Yellow? Yeah, Yellow. It's Corey, and you're right. So, it was Kobe. It was Kobe Allard. Yeah. But my friend Neil sent me a song today by Coldplay that sounded absolutely nothing like I would expect Coldplay to sound like. It's a song called Arabesque. Oh. It's, it's, it's like this funky, it's got Femi Kuti on it, who I assume is the, what, the son of Fela Kuti. Like, it's it's a really good song. <laughs> I was like, hey, this is good. It wasn't like, I, I don't know. I, there are probably some huge Coldplay fans out there, and, and I just don't know much about them. I don't know if they actually rock. I just uh, know the song Yellow, and I just picture a guy going, ah. <laughs> That's pretty. That's pretty accurate. So no, you're you're not too far off from the truth on that. I, I, I know I like yeah. some Coldplay songs. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, it's but, just it's, yeah, this arabesque song. I dig it. I it's to, got it's got like a saxophone in it, and it's got ooh. Uh, it's got like a funky bass line that kind of reminds me of like an old JB's song, like <laughs> giving up food for funk. Yeah, like it's not what I would expect from Coldplay at all. Get up now. All right. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> No, yeah, and I'll have to check that out. That I am not familiar with that song. So what I'm not familiar with is some of the names on this Rule Five list that Chris came up with. As I did do some research originally, but I was wait like it, it, you kind of forewarned me, like, dude, don't do all the research when we until you know because there's so many. The speculation was still abundant. Yeah, and I I didn't take my own advice. Ended up writing up like eight <laughs> or nine players who ended up getting protected. Like ah, uh-huh. want to know about Taylor Widener? ask me but uh, yeah you know it, it's there's so many guys who are interesting like like 
I think there'll probably be a bunch of other interesting players who are available at lower levels that I just didn't know about. That's just pure scouting. Um, but I just tried to, to go through and, and find some of the more um, well-known guys and guys who have performed and uh, some, some sort of tools bets. And uh, yeah, there's a list of 30 of them there. And, you know, I, I, I would bet that probably half of those guys get picked maybe 10, 10 to 15 of the guys I list there end up getting picked in the rule five. Just not, not, I wouldn't put money on it that the Tigers take one of them just yet. Yeah. I mean, they're going to take somebody, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if it's somebody that I didn't even have on the list. Yeah. And, and, and the Tigers, and here's the thing too, like when Victor Reyes was called, no one saw it coming. And in the list that you, the rule five picks, so I, I, you know, the list you compiled, there's some names on there that, kind of fit the Tigers profile someone with a high strikeout rate of course we joke around about that but it's true mm-hmm. um but there's there's a couple names out there that I I liked that after doing upon further research and looking at some of the video that you had posted you know Chris we talked about you we talked about this with Cody earlier about them picking they need bats in their system they and they absolutely do and I would not argue with that whatsoever uh, Jason Volser, the third baseman, left-handed hitter, prospect out of the do- or out of the Padres situation, he's got some power. He's been his power has been getting better, and would solve a third base issue right now. That's kind of like you could put Candelario over there at first, put him at third, and see what he can do. But there's a couple of names out there among pitchers, and one of them was uh, Watson Charles, the A's reliever, who's put some his walk rate's high, but he's got some high upside to him. Another one I mentioned earlier was Sterling Sharp, the uh, who's pitching on the Nationals as a local product. Went to North Farmington High School, was at Eastern Michigan, lived in Southfield, and he was part of a program, as Mark mentioned on Twitter, a uh, hitting program in this area. So th- those are the, some of the names. In the, and, again, I think the reason why you get a starter, in my opinion, to put out there is you don't know what you're getting out of Zimmerman. You're going to have the Verhagen-Norris train thing again. But a guy also, another positional player you might give to, and they like the red system. You saw that with Brandon Dixon. But uh, TJ uh, Freely, who's a left, who's who's a who's a left-handed hitter again, appeals to the to the ballpark, and he's a defender, which they they need some help in the, the outfield. So, I mean, he was kind of a late late, late hitting guy, only hitting two thirty five, but. I like him. Uh, any guy from the Astro system, another one, Ronnie Dawson, but that strikeout rate was just atrocious. Yeah. So it's funny. Um, it, it reminds me that we have been doing the show for a while because I remember way back in the day, maybe it was one of the first shows I did, but it was a draft show, and we had uh, Jason Marbach on here, I think. And we were talking about that draft, the draft the shows took Ronnie Dawson. And I said back then that I didn't like him <laughs> because I didn't think he was going to hit much. But he's, he's been a, a better defender than I expected, and he's got power and speed, and he's a lefty. So he could be – I mean, that's that's the problem is is I call it in the article, I called the Rule 5 draft basically baseball's garage sale because it is. You're, you're, you're almost never getting anything that's, like, in good shape. There's always flaws with these players in some capacity. Um, and so it's just a matter of how – what your team needs – what you can afford to keep on your roster and uh, how much more these players can develop with uh, your tutelage. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, you mentioned T.J. Friedel. I think uh, for the he was uh, the Reds. He was a really interesting story because he was a, like a draft eligible sophomore, and he either like people either like no one realized it, or because because most people considered him like a legitimate top ten round talent, but no one drafted him, and and they think because nobody realized he was a draft eligible sophomore, and then he ended up on Team USA and was kind of a spark plug at the top of the lineup, and the Reds signed him for like eight hundred grand. As a, which is almost like his second round money, as a undrafted free agent, which was I think is the still still a record. Um, but yeah, you mentioned he's he's more of a, a defender, speedy, top of the order type. Doesn't have much pop, but his numbers this year might have been I think he was hurt this year with like a back issue or something or bleak something. So his numbers were probably suppressed because of that. So it's kind of, this is where you trust your scouts. You know, you really got to trust your scouts who are out there on the road, seeing these guys, talking to guys, watching them, seeing when they're at their best, seeing what they're worst and, and, and projecting. Um, and, you know, I, I, I could see them taking a starter like Sterling Sharp or Zach Brown from the Brewers, because if you hit on a starter, they generally are going to probably of all the people in the, the rule five going to give you the most value like Brad Keller who the, the Royals took two years ago after, I don't know if they actually took him or if they traded for him. Um, I have to look into that. Uh, he's put up two consecutive average seasons, which is good value. The Tigers could use more average players, uh, but it's just kind of hard to keep a starter like that on the roster all year long. Uh, so but, for, Bob, for uh, Keller, by the way, for Keller, he was... He was traded to the. He was he was he was drafted by the um, by the Reds, then traded by the Reds to the Royals the, the same day for the Rule Five draft. Yeah, so that was when I was doing my research, which I didn't really put in the article. I went back to 2006 because before 2006, there was actually. So now it is if you sign when you're 18, you're you got five seasons with the, the team, and if you sign when you're 19 or older, you get four seasons, but it was one year less for both before 2006. So there's a lot more players um, who are available. So I went back to 2006 just because that's the modern rules. And I only found four players who were drafted by, who, who put up a two-win season with the team that drafted them. I'm trying to remember. It was uh, Joaquin Soria, but the Royals. Uh, who else? Odubel Herrera has done it a couple times. I think he was. I think the Phillies took him from the Rangers, and then immediately moved him to the outfield. He was an infielder. Delano DeShields Jr. The Rangers took him from the Astros, and he put up a two-win season for them. And I don't remember who the last one is, but uh, it's pretty rare to actually get talent and keep it. Although, and I mentioned this in the article too, that there, it's not that rare for guys who get taken in the Rule Five Draft to go on to have good careers. They just sometimes it's through a series of trades. Like I think the Cubs took Josh Hamilton and then traded him to the Reds and then the Reds traded him to the Rangers. I think it was, that was for Edinson Volquez and it was with the Rangers that he really took off. But like R.A. Dickey was a rule five pick Ender Enciarte, who's been a really great defender. He's a rule five pick. And then the example, I last example I give in the article is, is Josh Fields, who was the number one overall pick. Uh, he was a reliever taken in the same draft. I think that the Tigers took Ryan Perry. So what, 2008? 
Yeah. And he was the number one pick in the Rule 5 draft by the Astros when they were the tanking Astros, you know. And he had a, he put a couple good seasons for them. And when they were still kind of rebuilding, they traded him to the Dodgers, uh, who were competing. And they got from the Dodgers a young player who had never played a professional game yet, named Jordan Alvarez. And, of course, he went on to have a historic rookie year this season. So it's it's all about your scouts, like I was saying. Trust your scouts. Have them go out and find the talent, make the right moves, and, and you can find something. But uh, it's 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 tough in Rule 5. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at the Tigers' history of the Rule 5, too, I mentioned Sean Runyon, who pitched in 88 games in 1998 for that bad that staff that was not that good. And he pitched fifty. He only pitched sixty-five innings total in the majors. He was a he was a plus WAR player for the Tigers. He only pitched three seasons, and majority of the innings he pitched of the sixty-five innings, fifty were in one season. And then he was injured the rest of the time, so he was he was put out there eighty-eight games. If you think about that in the grand scheme of things, then of course you have Chris Shelton, but again mm-hmm. negative WAR player. And I was trying to think of uh, Will Ades- Will Ledesma. Will Ledesma, yeah, who. I don't. I don't. I mean, he was a negative war player, but he was never. He was never. I don't like. I thought that there was a lot of hype behind him, and then it just never. It never materialized. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if he was a lefty, right? Yeah, tall, lanky lefty. Yeah, I feel like he he threw a bunch of innings one year at least, and uh, there was some hope that uh, there might be more there. But yeah, in more recent years, we, we've had. Uh, the one year they took Jeff Coburnus uh, and and Kyle Lobstein. I think they traded for both of those guys. They didn't actually select them, but they traded for both of them. And Coburnus, I think, went back to the Nationals, and Lobstein. They worked out a trade with with the Rays. I think they think they traded him uh, their catcher, the catcher from Vanderbilt, whose name escapes me right now, who's still playing. Who they took in the same draft as uh, McCann and and. Brantley? Did they get Brantley in that draft too? But yeah, they took him in the same draft, and he's actually had a better career than McCann. And they took him in the tenth or eleventh round out of Vanderbilt. But uh, yeah, and then and obviously more recently, Daniel Stumpf was a Rule Five pick. I think they sent him back, but it was since he was picked two years in a row, he got to choose where he he would basically become a free agent, and then he resigned with the Tigers. And then Victor Reyes, of course. Victor Reyes. Victor Reyes. Victor Reyes whose rookie year was awful and whose uh, sophomore year showed a little, a bit more promise, but skeptical. And then last year, Reed Garrett, who threw hard and had a high-spin uh, breaking ball but couldn't throw enough strikes, and they had to get rid of him. So you, you, it's tough when you're on a team that loses 114 games and you can't stick on the roster, but they were in desperate need of pitchers, so... Yeah, so that I mean that's a good illustration of what you get in the Rule Five draft. You get a couple moments of glory with Chris Shelton, and uh, some interesting defense in the outfield from Victor Reyes. I, I, you know, he had, he did his numbers didn't improve last year, so the the jury's still out. I mean, if, I think next year's kind of like a I don't want to say make or break, but if he, if he improves next year and you get a two war season out of him, I'll be happy with that. Let's get to the questions. I think we had a few questions. Oh, all right. Let's see. Um, I think one of them. One of them was just like, "Is the off season going as you expected?" Um, and I would say, so far, yes. I, uh, if anything, I've been pleasantly surprised by the moves they made, the, like the the hires they made. Um, the 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 guys they kept on the uh, or put on the forty man 
wasn't terribly surprising to me. I, I had guessed that they would put Vladimir Pinto instead of Anthony Castro, just based on the way they kind of handled Castro. But I thought they would add, uh, I thought for sure we'd see Paredes, uh, Cameron, Burroughs, and Funkhauser. And then I had a fairly strong feeling that they were going to add Derek Hill. Uh, but so, yeah, so far, I, I don't know, Roger, has anything strange happened to you, do you think? Um, for, for the in terms of Tigers wise, yeah, the front office does. I mean, I, that's encouraging, and and I saw, you know, what was strange, Chris? This is what I saw was strange offseason. Everybody liked something the Tigers did at the same time. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is record setting because it never happens. Yeah, I just complimented it. So yeah, there you go. Um, but I will say in terms of other teams, well, I mean, in terms of other teams right now. Uh, or really, I mean, what we've seen in the start of winter ball, I mean, we've seen some Tigers right now doing really well. Daz Cameron's hitting three fifty three right now. He's gotten, it was it, he's got an OPS over a thousand right now, so he's doing well. Um, that's a, he's in Puerto Rico, right? Yeah, Puerto Rico. Yeah, so uh, Jacob Rob, Jacob Robson's had a decent winter league. Although I think he, no, no, he got cut, didn't he? Oh, did he? From, was he or, Dominican again? Yeah, I mean, Candelario's having a pretty good winter league, too. So th- those are encouraging signs. So, yeah, encouragement. There we go. That's something we're not used to in the offseason the last couple seasons. So in a, in a small amount. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it's, it's still so early that it's hard to hard to really we'll have to see after the Rule 5 and after any free agent signings they make to really make a uh, – a good call on it. Yeah. So there. Yeah. Exactly. So what, and that was from who? Who? Asked, let me find out who asked yeah. that. I feel bad. Uh. Uh. Oh, that was Ed Miller. Sorry, Ed. Good old Ed Miller. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I saw. The other one was from Steve Cook. Slap happy cookie. Um, and I don't know if you want to touch this or not, but he said, can we talk about what happened to our free beat writer all of a sudden towards the end of the year? He started attacking the Tigers. It's continued. Not that they don't deserve it. So <laughs> I don't I don't think we have any inside information about what uh, made Anthony Fennick kind of go rogue. Um, he certainly found himself in the news more often than I expect he would like. You know, you're not supposed to be parts of the stories, you know, with the Verlander thing and, and then you know the the uh, the stories about the potential trades, but I think uh, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if we we should speak for Anthony, but I suspect that he still has a bit of fandom in him, despite you know trying to be professional, and and he doesn't like what's happening with the team, and decided that he had had enough, and it was boring to cover, so he wanted to spice things up. But yeah, you'd have to ask him to see exactly what happened there. Yeah, same. I, yeah, I'm not gonna speak on his behalf. I don't. I don't really know. It's 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 fascinating, but. I mean, he's having the best life traveling around the world right now. So, uh, speaking of traveling around the world, by the way, Dix Machado signed with the Lottie Giants. So, the Korean baseball. Yeah. So, he's a. Uh, uh, you know, that's. <clears throat> Evan Woodbury. Have a solid career. Yeah. I mean, he had a decent year in the PSL. Well, yeah, he hit like 20 home runs out of nowhere for the, uh, the Iowa Cubs. But, uh, it, it, you know, it's good, good to see. I mean, I think. I don't know if Moya is still out. In Asia, but some of these guys, you know, if they can't cut it here, go out there and play and make some money. 
There you go. And uh, better them all. Well, last thing too, I wanted to put in the podcast. Steve, Steve Marcus, you can follow him at Newsday A L U M. Um, put his he put his he put his uh, Hall of Fame ballot out there, and yeah. he used the hashtag. Yeah. He used the hashtag. Keep the hall small. And you only put Derek Jeter, and I was just somebody responded with "Okay, Boomer," which kind of cracked me up. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, there does it does feel like the baseball writers who get Hall of Fame votes does seem like a weird last bastion of baby boomers. But yeah, I mean, it, I get really annoyed. Like, I try not to care about the Hall of Fame too much. But I do get annoyed with with when people make like weird protest votes and things like that. Like, to me, if they give you the option to vote for ten guys, I'm I'm gonna find ten guys that I should vote for. Not even even if I don't think all ten are worthy of the Hall of Fame. There rarely are ten on any ballot that are worthy of the Hall of Fame. I would at least like to give some guys uh, votes so maybe they can get over that five percent threshold, and maybe later on we realize like, hey. You know, re- reevaluate, so you don't have to do this Lou Whitaker thing. Where you wait 25 years. To, or like Kenny Lofton. Kenny Lofton was a very good player, and he didn't get five percent of the vote, and he was just gone. It's like that's probably because people were just like, "Meh, I'm only voting for Ryan Sandberg." And yeah, it's there's so much so much narrative involved. Like Derek Jeter, obviously Derek Jeter is a Hall of Famer. I would argue that maybe he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, based on the way everybody else, you know, other players with similar profiles, but. Uh, he's going to get on the first ballot because of you know he played New York and all his success. He, he won a ton of championships and he was great in the postseason and, and he deserves it. But to say he's the only player on the ballot worthy of getting a, a vote is is ridiculous. Yeah, because there's uh, the thing is is that there's no logical explanation behind it. What are you trying to prove? There's no reason. What like is it going to affect your percentage? It doesn't get percentage because it doesn't fucking matter. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, you're not. This is not something where if you're voting, it, it's gonna. It, 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 is it gonna reflect? The only person that knows that voted is you, dumbass. And now you putting it out there on Twitter to keep the hall small is dumb and irresponsible and just flat. I just like you, Chris. Yeah, I mean, the Hall of Fame is something that you should get. I don't try to get too riled up for. I mean, Lou Whitaker should be a shoe in, and there's some. The Tigers have done. I will say this: the Tigers have done a great job. Their PR department has done a great job on some of these tweets comparing Hall of Fame stats to lose the people who are in the Hall of Fame. That Lou has done that has better stats. Lou has better stats than some people that are in the Hall of Fame now. But this, oh, this jackass is ignoring. And, and Gary and Chris, you've made a really good case for Gary Sheffield, despite I mean, because the, the oh just defensive stats. But you've made a really good case for him because he by by war. Should be not first ballot, but he should be consideration for the Hall of Fame. You know, he's one of the greatest offensive players of all time. That's, yeah, that's one of the things that I mean. If you're going to take everything into account, you take everything into account. But I just thought that offensively, he was uh, pretty spectacular. Yeah, Barry, you can say what you will about the Barry Bonds, the PEDs, all that. That guy should be in the Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens should be in the Hall of Fame. And you know, you should even get some consideration to. A guy like Larry, of course, Larry Walker, no doubt. That guy should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, but uh, why? Yeah, I mean, see, I I don't know. I I guess if people want a small Hall of Fame, go for it. Uh, I'm kind of in favor of uh, 
a more inclusive Hall of Fame, particularly for pitchers, because I think the threshold for getting in as a pitcher is just too high. There are, like, one of the great cases I've seen made for this was uh, comparing Sandy Koufax, who, you know, everybody argues is, is one of the great pitchers of all time, and he truly did have one of the, the single, like, like, he had a five-year stretch that might be unmatched in baseball history, but they were the five, final five years of his career. Um, compare his numbers to Johan Santana's numbers. In Santana's, uh, his ERA is higher, but his ERA plus, you know, ERA uh, compared to the rest of baseball is better. His is 136 and Koufax's is 131 because Koufax really only had those five good years. And Santana won two Cy Youngs. He won the ERA title three times. He won the pitching triple crown. He was a gold glover, four-time All-Star. 51.7 war. Sandy Koufax is, what was he? 48.9 war. They both played 12 years. So it's just like one of those things like perception plays a huge role. I, I think uh, to, not to put too kind of a point on it, but like narrative still is a big thing for these older sports writers. The, the narrative of everything. Derek Jeter, the postseason hero. Sandy Koufax, the, you know, the legend who retired too soon. Um, and they don't necessarily look at the numbers. And, and maybe... I mean, it's the Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of Best Statistics, but that's generally lined up pretty well. So, um, I don't know. I, I just in favor a more inclusive Hall of Fame. Uh, but other than that, I don't really care. I mean, not so inclusive that Harold Baines gets in. But uh, yeah, you know, if you're going to put yeah. Jack Morris in, you got to put a bunch of other people in because his ERA is like three nine. Yeah, use use your votes. But it was funny. The Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame chimed in and said, "Uh, oh, Mr. Walker's last year." Yeah, Larry Walker really deserves to be in based on his numbers. Yeah, um, like he, he's he's got a higher WAR than uh, the Jeter, I believe. I have to look. At, yeah, let me look at his all-time WAR. But look, I mean, it, look, even like you can say what you will about oh his defensive numbers, blah blah blah. And I was one of those people. Then I looked at. I mean, Derek Jeter was a clutch player, and clutch doesn't count for the Hall of Fame. Seventy-two point seven for Larry Walker, WAR lifetime WAR. Lifetime batting average of three thirteen. He's the best thing that's come out of British Columbia since the Canucks, I suppose. <laughs> but no, it's uh I mean look yeah, look at his okay, so you look at his last season. His last season in the majors in St. Louis, fifteen home runs, fifty two RBIs, hitting two eighty nine, still had a good OPS of eighty you know. Uh, yeah, it, career OPS plus of one forty one, which is probably I'm I'm curious uh, what like Edgar Martinez's looks like. What's I mean, Edgar Martinez's career OPS plus? Wait, what's amazing, Chris? One forty-seven, so a little bit below that. But at the age of thirty-six, one of his last seasons in Colorado, he walked he walked ninety-eight times and he struck out eighty-seven times. Like he he knew the game on base. Oh, yeah. It was just a smart guy, smart baseball player, and he's a great hitter and kind of an underrated defender uh, and an underrated base dealer. Look at his 1997 season. He hit 366 with a 452 on base, a 720 slugging, 49 home runs, and 33 steal. 33 steal. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think so many people chalk it up to he, he's definitely hurt by having played in Colorado in the height of the steroid era. But, you know, you measure guys against their peers and, and the numbers set up. And that's the same. People should make the same argument about Scott Rowland who was uh, an elite defender, um, but wasn't, you know, I don't know, he wasn't ever viewed as, like, that superstar that Jeter was, you know. 
but I think Roland's war is better than Junior's too, or at least close. I think what I think what hurt Scott Roland was his perception in the media because Scott Roland was kind of viewed as a dick. No, well, see, I don't really remember that. I just remember him being very big and a good defender. Well, I mean, he he just seemed like he was, he had seemed kind of like a the reputation of being a red ass. So, yeah, well, I mean, I, I'll buy it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just it's I don't know. It's it should be interesting. I I mean, I think he should have gotten a vote too. But for this guy not to vote, whatever, fine. You know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Just go go make your name on yourself. Grumble, 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 grumble. So yeah, I'm sure he got out of it what he wanted, which was people talking about it. So. Good for yeah, you. and he got a lot of boomer comments, right, rightfully so. So yeah. uh, stick around for the second half of the podcast as we have Cody talking about his uh, his recent articles in The Athletic. And like I said, next week we'll be off for Thanksgiving, and then there'll be a, a, the show in December. We're still figuring out the kinks will be episode 300. So, yeah, should be the round, possibly the roundtable, talking to Mark about putting that together. Some, yeah. Change some ch- side changes, and of course, if you are a fan of the podcast, go to tigerbindingreporter.com, go to our store, 25% off anything you order until the end of the year when you use the promo code RULE5. So there's no excuse for you not to grab a t-shirt for your loved one or yourself. Grab a Tiger's SRD shirt. Grab a Erie Go t-shirt, because that podcast may not be along for too long. That being, Or buy a Tiger's SRD mug or a Tiger's MLB mug or MLB report mug. Do us all a favor, do that. Get stock shirts of good quality, hoodies. Are, I, you know, I got a couple of things myself. Not only that, the not only my podcast host, I'm also a client. So go to tagmyleaguereport.com, go to our store, buy something for yourself, buy something for the kids. Everybody wins, and then, like I said, we'll be back in two weeks. Chris, safe travels to you on uh, on the way to Virginia. And oh, you're gonna see your grandfather, right? Yep. Awesome. So I'm, 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 I, I want a picture with him in a nat set. That's gonna happen. <laughs> All right, I will. I will do my best. 